Disclaimer. The following podcast contains material and language that may not be suitable for minors. While not in every episode, this podcast may contain triggering subject matter that may be brought up without warning. Any information or advice given is for entertainment purposes only. We are not doctors. Please consult your physician with any medical questions or before making any decisions regarding your health. Listener discretion is strongly advised. For generations, humans were taught that there was two, maybe three sexualities. But as time goes on, we've learned that sexuality and gender identity are a spectrum of different things and people and places. We investigate all those this week in the sack. With Seth and Sarah. Did you just say places? Yeah. Okay. I mean, it works, doesn't it? There's People can be places. I mean, I guess they can. <laughs> I'm just going to go with it. Yeah, so you should, because <laughs> I'm always right. But I'm excited to talk about this, because this is something that uh, really is coming to its own in the new millennium in the past couple generations, where people are able to express themselves more freely without the stigma. I mean, there still is a stigma, unfortunately, but I think we're getting past it. There's a huge stigma, and I would like to say that I think we're getting past it, but I think that we're still pretty far ways away from that, which makes me sad. There's no question about that, but... Me being ever the optimist, I want to believe that we're getting better. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah, no, I definitely want to believe that we're getting better. But I think we're still kind of far away from that. And that's a fucking shame. Like, I hate it. Like, it makes me so sad. And just, it breaks my heart, honestly. So what do you think the first sexual orientation or identity that you were exposed to that you didn't, that you learned outside of the hetero-homo norm? I don't know. I don't, I can't really recall like knowing like one sticking out, honestly. Yeah, like outside of the, the hetero homo by norm, the first time I, someone told me they were asexual, I had no idea what the hell they were talking about and I had to go investigate. Yeah. So did you ever have that kind of moment where you, someone told you they were something and you were like, wait, what is that? <laughs> I don't recall, honestly. And, and I think some of that is just because I was so young when I started being exposed to so much and I had such a passion for learning that I was constantly reading and I was constantly learning about new things. And so I think so much of it, I just learned through reading. So I knew about things before I was exposed to them. Did you or your friends ever talk about orientation or identity growing up? I think the most that we ever talked about it was, you know, in high school, we had friends attempted to come out as bisexual, which I think that I touched on in a previous episode and my parents' response to my coming out. But no, other than that, the typical oh, she's a lesbian, oh, he's gay. My friends were all very supportive of our friends of the rainbow. (laughs) So before we get much further, why don't you go ahead and hit us with that definition of the difference between a sexual orientation and a gender identity? Well, people get this so freaking confused and it's not that hard. Okay, so do you remember a few years ago, it was this huge thing with our trans friends who were wanting to use the restrooms that they associate with the gender that they identify with. Yes, and people were being dicks about it. Right, and people were going crazy over it because, well, I don't want this person using the bathroom because they're blah, 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 blah. And, like, I don't understand what the issue is. If you are worried about the genitals of the person using the stall next to you, you are the problem. (laughs) Well, and here's the thing. Like, okay, so gender identity is how the person perceives themselves. So... I was born with a vagina and being born with a vagina, identify as female. And that's great. That's good for me. Hooray. There are many women out there who were born 
with a penis who do not identify as male, who identify as female. And that fucking sucks. That sucks so hard for them because every day they wake up and they look at themselves and they don't see the person that they are. Uh They look in the mirror and they see a man and they dress like a woman and they behave like a woman and they feel like a woman and they go out in public and they don't want to go into a men's restroom because it's uncomfortable. I don't want to go into a men's restroom as a woman. Y'all are gross. Like, I'm sorry. Hold on a minute. Hold on a minute. As, as someone who has cleaned bathrooms in the past, they're both <laughs> equally disgusting, okay? Don't... That, you all aren't... Perfect. Okay, that's true. That's true. No, I will give you that. As also someone who has cleaned restrooms in the past, I will tell you that women's restrooms are 10 times... Chicks are nasty. Like, we will do the most disgusting things in bathrooms. But the one thing we don't do is piss all over the toilet. I don't know why. I don't know how y'all can't get it in the bowl. I don't understand. You guys have practiced for years. Maybe that's my fascination with holding a penis that I just want to prove that I can do it. Do you know what I blame blame this on in the past couple decades is cell phones. People playing on their phone when they're trying to pee. That's been a big problem, I think, with the lack of aim for men. But also, (laughs) did you know, and this has been done several times with several different places, For example, the airport here in town, they painted little circles, little targets on the inside of the bowl, and it greatly reduced splashback. That's adorable. (laughs) So I've heard when you're potty training little boys, like to drop Cheerios in the toilet. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. To train them to like aim for the Cheerios. Okay, so grown ass men, y'all need to carry like little sandwich bags full of Cheerios and just like drop a few in the toilet. And just like incentive. <laughs> okay, so anyway, so back to my point. Back to my point. Well, no, hold on. I got a point about that. Because this is how the big differential between gender identity and sexual identity. You could be a trans person. You could be a woman that feels like a man and still be attracted to whatever gender you want. You could be a trans mask person and like women or still like men. That's a big difference. Well, and that's what I'm saying. So it's like, okay, gender identity has nothing to do with your sexual orientation. It just doesn't. If you were born with a penis and you identify as a woman and you don't want to go into a men's restroom, you want to use the women's restroom because you are a woman. You don't want to be in a men's restroom. It's uncomfortable. It's whatever your reasoning is. But you're a lesbian. You still like women. Mm -hmm. You still enjoy sex with women, just like every other lesbian who is going to walk into that restroom unharassed. Yeah, one of my biggest things is when the evangelicals were doing their whole big thing about keeping, you know, pedophiles out of bathrooms, it's like they're already in there and you're being a horrible person for implying that all trans people are pedophiles. Fuck you all the way. That's a whole nother fucking soapbox that I don't even want to get started on. I'm just going to breathe in. Breathe out. Serenity now, Sarah. Serenity now. Okay, so gender identity is how you see yourself. Gender identity is how you identify yourself as male or female or neither. You can identify as agender, like neither gender. Or gender fluid. Or gender fluid, where you just both, either or, depending on the day of the week or together at the same time. And this is another thing entirely. Gender is a social construct. (gasps) Gasp. Shock horror. Oh my gosh. We as a society determine what gender is. Mm-hmm. And we assert the roles of that gender based upon our societal standards. Exactly. As a society, we determine that women should have long hair. We as a society determine that women should wear high heels and shave their legs and dress in skirts and put on makeup. 
and men should be rugged and have beards and cut their hair short and wear suits. Those are all things that we decided as a society, as a group, as a community over time. And that changes over time by geographic area and religion. And there are so many, oh, Lord. Okay, just do your own fucking thing. Be your person. (laughs) Well, I mean, by that standard, I don't fit in the general male trope because, you know, I'm totally hairless and never worn a suit in my life. (laughs) So kind of on that same tip with transgender people, um, gender transition doesn't always have to be the genitals. You know, there are people who are transgender who keep their assigned genitals. And there are those that, though, that don't. You know, there is a dysphoria there sometimes with that in their feeling and the wrong set of genitals. But it's not always the case. That's a misconception, too, is that our transgender friends have to have the surgeries, you know, that they have to have breast implants if they want to be a woman or that they have to remove their penis if they want to be a woman. Or This is not the case, it, you know. Right. Or, you know, or they have to have their breasts removed if they want to be a man. And that's just not the case. Not everybody wants surgery. Not everybody is comfortable having pieces of their body removed or things added to their body. Don't worry, kids. Everything we're talking about in this part of the show and all the orientation we're going to get into later, they're all going to be their own show later. This is just big, broad strokes we're painting with right now. <laughs> Here's the thing. I'm heteroflexible, which we're going to get into a little bit later when we kind of talk about the Kinsey scale. So I'm kind of touching my foot on the pride flag, like my toes in the water. Let me back that up a little bit. Like, okay, I don't ever feel comfortable associating myself. And that's not even the right, like taking credit. Well, hold on, how about this? You'd feel like you're a poser pretty much if you put yourself in. Yeah, exactly. That's totally fine. Like, I always feel like I'm sharing in limelight that like I shouldn't be sharing in. But I mean, I don't have struggles like our friends do because I'm in a hetero relationship. So why don't you go ahead and give us that scale at the Kinsey scale and we'll go ahead and place ourselves and go from there. How about that? Thanks for pulling my foot out of my mouth. Okay. Okay. So That's what I do. (laughs) I know. You're so good at that. Well, actually, before we talk about the Kinsey scale, there was one other thing that I wanted to talk about in relation to orientation. So the thing about sexual orientation is it's not just necessarily a sexual attraction to other people. So sexual orientation, it's emotional, it's romantic, it's... It's defined as the group of people in which one is likely to find the satisfying and fulfilling romantic relationship that is an essential component of the personal identity for yourself. That's the American Psychological Association. That's how they define it. Here's the thing. So sexual orientation isn't just about who you want to bang. Sexual orientation is about who you're going to partner with. Absolutely. That's who you're going to have a fulfilling relationship with. So sexual orientation, you can be out having sex, like I can be out banging dudes all day long. But if I can't have a fulfilling relationship with them that makes me feel complete, that leaves me feeling like I've done something that's essential to my life, if I can only find that with other women, I'm not straight. It doesn't matter if I'm banging dudes. If I'm only finding that essential component with other women, I am not heterosexual. I think you're going to find a lot more people who would claim rigid heterosexuality than actually are, in my opinion. Right. That's just the thing. This is just Seth's opinion. So, But that's where it kind of the Kinsey scale sort of falls into place. So that's where you look at the difference between sexuality and romance. So the sexual orientation um, is different than the romantic orientation. 
But the romantic orientation, the American Psychological Association doesn't recognize that. <laughs> it, it's all sexual orientation, according to them. Okay. So the Kinsey scale was developed by a biologist, Alfred C. Kinsey, who placed human sexuality on a scale. They made a really great movie about him. Kinsey. That's it? Just Kinsey? Yeah. Where can we find it, Seth? I'm pretty sure it's on Amazon. Hot damn. <laughs> I'm going to have to look it up. Okay, so anyway, so this dude was around sometime in the 1940s. Basically, he discovered that most people are not exclusively heterosexual or homosexual. While many people might trend toward one end or the other, the majority of people, and I quote, displayed some sort of sexual fascination with both the opposite and same sex. Sexual orientation is inborn. That is not a choice. It can definitely evolve and shift over a person's lifetime. So the Kinsey scale ranges from zero to six, but there's also like an X, like a blank space too. So zero would be exclusively heterosexual. So if you rank a zero on the Kinsey scale, you are exclusively heterosexual. If you rank a one, you're predominantly heterosexual and only incidentally homosexual. If you're two, you are predominantly heterosexual, but more than incidentally homosexual. Three, equally heterosexual and homosexual. So that would be like your strict bisexuals. Four, predominantly homosexual, but more than incidentally heterosexual. Five, predominantly homosexual, but only incidentally heterosexual. Or six, exclusively homosexual. And then an X would be no socio-sexual contacts or reactions. So that would be asexual or I, what is the other one? Like asexual? Asexual, uh, aromantic. Yeah. So I would fall somewhere like a, a 2.5, like a, a strong two. Okay, so I'm going to ask you and see if I'm right here. I would place myself at a 1.5 because I have been involved in sexual acts with men, but never with the man. We were always doing something to a woman and we were both there. We might like grab each other by the back or something for leverage, but we'd never touch each other or kiss or anything. So I had no problem with the guy being there. No. So then I'd call you like a 0.5. Okay. Because like incidentally homosexual would be like a threesome, but if I give, you my, know. If I give my hand jigger, well, you know. Yeah. But there was definite like rubbing like nipple play or something. No, no. There was no touching. Again, not that I'd be opposed to it. He was an attractive man, but it did never happen. And I didn't really push the issue because I didn't want to. Well, there you go. Yeah, so I'm heteroflexible. So I'm hetero, but I'm not quite bi because I prefer men. There is the thing, though, that I have no problem saying that a man's attractive. I do have a couple of same-sex celebrity crushes. I look at them and I go, oh, okay, yeah, I, I, I would do that. But again, that's that pipe dream fantasy celebrity thing that we all have. There's a difference between, like, you think that they're attractive. Or oh, no, I would totally sleep with them. I would. But would you lay in bed and fantasize about them? It's happened a couple times. Yeah? Okay, oh, yeah. well, no. So maybe you're like a 0.75. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's some times when I'm, I'm watching one of their movies and I'll be like, uh, I need to go to the bathroom real quick. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right. Well, fair enough. So anyway, folks, that's the Kinsey scale. So let us know, get a hold of us on our socials and tell us where you fall. Yeah, I think we should probably find a test and link it somewhere on Twitter, maybe. Yeah, there are tests you can take online. You can see where you fall on the Kinsey scale. Mm. So maybe I'll take it, see where it puts me. <laughs> like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so Kinsey scale. So two main groups, basically. You're either monosexual or you're plurisexual. You're going to fall into one or the other. Although, you know what, they say that, but I guess I don't know 
like where they would lump asexuals. So monosexual means you are attracted to one gender, whether it's your own or a different one, period. So that would be your zeros and your sixes. You're either exclusively heterosexual or you're exclusively homosexual, nowhere in between. Plurisexual means many, and plurisexuals are attracted to many different genders. For example, a plurisexual person may self-identify as bisexual, pansexual, queer, or something else. So I don't know, like, where would asexuals fall on that? I think they're just outside of the spectrum. Like, they are on the, they would be the X on the Kinsey scale, just outside of it. The grouping's not part of the Kinsey scale. That's Not only that, not only that, you can be asexual and not be aromantic. You can be involved in a romantic relationship and not be sexually involved with that person. Well, that's true. That's true. I think it depends on who you are with in a relationship. That's true. Now is the part, yeah, where we jump into just a bunch of definitions of the different sexualities that we've learned while doing research for this episode. Right, Sarah? Yes. And some of these were new to me. And there were a couple of times where I was like, oh, that's not a thing. And then I had to look it up. Or I went, oh, well, that's the same as this. And then I had to really think about it. And I'm like, well, no, that's not the same as this. Do you know what made me really start researching this stuff is I went to Pride a few years ago, back when we still could have parades. And I thought I knew what the flags were. And then I saw all these different flags. And I'm like, well, what's that one? What's that one? What's that one? What's that one? I don't know anything. (laughs) I think the first time that I ever really looked up anything beyond the LGBTQ was, I don't know how many years ago this was. I was working with somebody and like a big fat jerk they were, they started off spouting about something or another. Oh, LGBTQXYZ, blah, 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 alphabet soup. Uh. <sighs> and they were like, what does all that mean anyway? And, and I really wanted to come back <laughs> with something and, and I couldn't. I had to pull a friend aside once because we were talking in a, a group setting in a class. So this was in postgraduate work after college. And he referred to the LGBT community as the letter people. <gasps> you can't say that. That's no. so wrong. Guys, that's not okay. That was my reaction. Like, bro, no. <laughs> right, so anyway, why don't you give us your choice for the first sexual orientation we'll discuss? Honestly, my favorite is allosexual. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, give us a definition. The term allosexual refers to literally anyone who experiences sexual attraction. So whether you're gay, lesbian, bisexual, pansexual, it's not linked to gender, just simply attraction. Mm-hmm. So it's the opposite of asexuality. I really like this person because that's all they have in their pants. Yeah. If you have a pulse and you find somebody out there attractive, if you are attractive to somebody out there for some reason, you are allosexual. So I think my favorite, not my favorite, but the one that, uh, like I said, the first one I was exposed to was the asexual aromantics. And these are people that either don't want to be involved in a sexual relationship, literally don't have any sex drive or need or desire. And then aromantics don't want to be involved in a relationship. Desire neither sex nor romantic attachment with others. I'm sure there was a time where that was seen as very unhealthy, but I don't think it is anymore. I think you can be self-sufficient. You can be on your own and be fine. I would agree with that. And being asexual doesn't mean that they don't want a romantic relationship. No, not at all. Not at all. They don't want sex. Well, I mean, it, it ties into a different one that I only learned about in the past couple of years, being autosexual, which is someone who only engages in sexual acts with themselves. Yeah, they're sexually aroused by themselves. Yeah. Yeah. The thing with asexual people is they, they just don't, 
want sex. They just don't need it. Because the thing is, with someone who's asexual, it's not a dysfunction. It's not like who can't get it up or it's not like someone who's on a medication and who's lost their sex drive. Just don't want it. Right. That's perfectly healthy. There's nothing wrong with not wanting to have sex. That is okay. And if you meet someone and they don't want to have sex, they're not broken. Yeah. It's not something that needs to be fixed. The asexual person that I knew, they still dated. And they were very upfront with the people they dated. Like, look, we're not going to sleep together. And they still got dates. So it's perfectly able to have a relationship in that situation. A romantic, you don't want that either. You don't want a relationship. So, hey, be happy with yourself. I know somebody who is married, who has children, who identifies as asexual. Okay. Who got married because that was what they were supposed to do. Had children because that's what they were supposed to do. And... Do they not love their partner? Do they not love their kids or... Oh, no, they love their partner. They love their kids. It's like a moral obligation almost, they feel, or societal obligation. It's a sacrifice that they're willing to make. That makes me feel a bit strange. But I mean, if they're happy, they're happy. And it's one of those things that's like, well, you know, okay, listen, honey, now that we have children, like, go get a toy. This isn't happening anymore. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) I wonder how often that happens. How often people who are asexual just make... Okay, look at it a different way. How many people that are homosexual live a hetero life because of a societal norm? Well, exactly. So it's the same thing. I still think we're getting better. I really do. I think that we're getting better. I think we're getting better slowly but surely. I think we have a long road ahead of us. But I think that we're getting there. I think that we're on the right track, which makes me happy. But I think the next one that we were going to look into was what you described earlier, being bi-curious as opposed to bisexual. Uh, I don't think I said anything about being bi-curious. Well, you said that you really wouldn't jump in and saying you were bisexual. I would classify you as more bi-curious. Occasionally, no. bi-practicing. No, I'm heteroflexible. Well, yes, but... That's not bi-curious. Okay, fine. If I just uh, spot my wrist again, why don't you? <laughs> there is a difference. There is a difference between being heteroflexible and being bi-curious. Okay, what's the difference? Well, being heteroflexible or homoflexible, either way is, well, okay, so for example, four out of every 20 of my partners are women. Mm -hmm. If you throw a bunch of people at me, I'm going to find more men attractive than I will find women. And not attractive physically because I, oh, I love women. Like, God, I love women. But I also love a dick. So would you say that someone who is leaning more one way than the other is not a bisexual? Well, that's how the Kinsey scale falls. Yeah. So, is that your opinion as well? Well, yeah. I'm going to fall in line with Dr. Kinsey. Yes. I think I agree with that. I think the the Kinsey scale and the homo heteroflexible term would be more for the people that are maybe 60, 40, 70, 30, somewhere in there. Yeah. Now, by curious is more like, hey, I've only ever had sex with men. I think women are attractive. I would like to maybe try to sleep with one and see what happens. Okay. That would be more like bi-curious. Like, I'm going to play around with the idea. I'm not sold on it. I may have sex with a woman or two and then never, ever do it again. hmm Would be more like bi-curious. You know, you're trying it out. You're testing the waters, you know, throwing a noodle at the wall, seeing if it sticks. Um, <sighs> Good analogy. <laughs> whereas, you know, with me, like, I will... God forbid something should ever happen to the relationship I'm in now or to my partner that would leave me single. 
you know, there's like a 30% chance that the next person that I'm with is going to be a woman. It's kind of up in the air. That's fair. In doing my research, which I didn't know this, but apparently there's an ongoing debate as to whether or not heteroflexible, homoflexible, or bicurious are rooted in biphobia. I have heard that. So that, that was basically the root of my question was, what if someone calls themselves they feel a certain way? And there is a, a stigma a lot from both sides of the fence, gay and straight, that the gay community might see the bi person as pretenders in their community. And I'm not saying this is true. I'm just saying this is just something I've heard from people. This is not something that I'm spouting as absolute fact. Sure, sure. Or they might, they might be seen as super greedy or the, the, that old trope. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's definitely something that's, I guess, bothered me as, mm-hmm. as someone who is heteroflexible, especially as a woman. Because when I was in my 20s, in my early 20s, in my bar days, you go to the bar and you have a few drinks and you're doing shots and you're with all your girls and suddenly it's like, you've got all these guys screaming, you know, buying shots, make out, make out, throwing shots at you. And then suddenly you're making out with other chicks. And it's like, I have no fucking problem with this. Are we going home together? Are we going further with this? What are we doing? Like, you're throwing all these signals at me. Like, we're gonna go to town and no, this is just a show. Like, you're... Okay, no. Oh, I get it. Okay, hands off. We're not going any farther than this. You just wanted to make out for free drinks in front of these dudes. Cool. Like... (laughs) (laughs) But is it really? No, no, it wasn't cool at all. Like, it really fucking sucked. (laughs) So... I get the idea that it's the pretender Mm -hmm. syndrome or whatever, or that it's just for show because, fuck, I got fooled too sometimes. (laughs) It wasn't fun and it it did was shitty. It did suck. But at the end of the day, I went home with someone and got fucked too. So it was all good. (sighs) Wasn't the chick I was making out with at the bar. It was a dude. So I was happy either way. There you go. I got mine. (laughs) So... How many people do you know or have you known that were closeted? That's going to be the next thing we talk about. So I've known quite a few people that I was pretty sure were closeted. I've only known a couple that did eventually come out. One in particular that I had known for a long time since I was very young. They'd kind of figured from a pretty early age. So that wasn't a big surprise. But... He stayed closeted for a long time, well into his mid-20s. So There's been a few people who were closeted in my life and eventually came out. One of them still hasn't. And it's one of those things where, could we be wrong? Are you just the way you are? And so we've never pushed the issue with them, even though they had never dated and we're pretty sure that they're gay. But we don't want to push that issue with them. We love them too much to force them to say something that they don't want to say to us out loud. Sure, sure. And there is somebody in my life that it's been a question that's been thrown around sometimes. Their relationship history would say that they're not. And according to them, they're not. But they may just be in that kind of teetering on the edge of asexual where it's just not something that is a huge concern for them. Whereas I could not go 20 years without or 15 years without sex. But they seem to have no problem with it, so... And the closet's a scary place, and it's a lonely place. Anyone that, that is forcing themselves to live there, I'll support you. <laughs> Be who you are. As long as it's legal. Okay. <laughs> and here's the thing with that. So in the work that I do, I see the aftermath somewhat often, especially in young adults, of what happens when people come out of the closet to family and friends who are not accepting. 
oh, I've seen it too. It's horrific. It is. It's horrific. Whether it's physical abuse, whether it's mental abuse that leads to self-harm, whether it leads to suicide attempts, whether it leads to emotional or mental breakdowns that bring them to us as healthcare workers. It's devastating. It's absolutely devastating. And when someone's in the closet, when someone's hiding their sexual orientation, when they're hiding the truth about themselves, we want to be supportive and, and we want to say, you know, hey, come out, you know, we're all out here and we're, we're going to support you. But you know, we have to remember that they have a good reason. Mm -hmm. They have their reasons for being in there and they're going to know their lives better than we do. Absolutely, I'm not saying, you know, don't be supportive and don't put the word out there that we are here. Yes. We are here and we are supportive and we have your back. But to just say, hey, we're here, we're supportive, we have your back is not enough. No. There are resources available um, there are hotlines available. Domestic abuse hotlines also support people who are being abused because of their sexual orientation. And we've said this before, and I'll say it right again right now. If you need someone to talk to, Sarah and I will talk to you. Not, we will talk you, to you. If you're hearing our voice right now and you're having a problem, hit us up. We will talk to you. Absolutely. I don't need to know you to care about you, and Sarah doesn't either. Exactly. We're all people. We're people and we're humans, and we just need to fucking love each other. And again, just saying that we're here for each other and saying that we're here to support each other isn't enough. Be there. You know, fucking be there for people. If you have somebody's back, have their back. Give them a couch to sleep on. Give them a place to stay if they need somewhere to stay. If they call you and they need your help, be there for them. Okay, deep breath. Okay. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> And moving on. Okay, yes. So this next term is one that I've only heard in the past five years or so, being a demisexual. Have you heard this term before recently? I had, actually, yeah. And I think you sprung this on me in the last episode and you kind of caught me off guard. <laughs> but yes, I had heard about it. Actually, I know somebody pretty closely who's a demisexual who considers themselves a demisexual. I think that that's very interesting because I am not. In fact, I'm kind of the opposite Typically, if I get to know somebody, I get turned very turned off. I don't need to know you to sleep with you. I just who I am. I'm sorry. Not really. <laughs> <laughs> Usually, the more I know you, the less I like you. In most cases, and then like we become friends and any kind of sexual attraction goes well, away. Like, oh, yeah. But now I know like all your weird habits and now I just know. Mm -mm. No, now while we're having sex, I'm going to think about that time that you told me when your uncle Bob and with the turkey and the dog and I just, you know. Nope, not sexy anymore. The fantasy is gone. <laughs> but yeah, I'd like to know the origins of when this was a sexual orientation or when it was like really the groundswell. Because I, I see the flag plenty now. And I see people identify that online in my life. So it has such a uh, blow up in the past 10 to 15 years that it'd be really fascinating to trace it back to its origins. Well, and that actually that brings up a good point too, because the thing with the sexual orientations is it's not like you're just one. This isn't like, a, okay, you get one card and that's your card and that's the only one you've got. Like, you can have a whole fucking hand, guys. Like, you're just demisexual and, oh, that's the one you've got. Sorry. They can change with time and circumstance. Sure. Well, exactly. You could be a gay demisexual man and then just fucking meet somebody that you just click with right away and... You and him run off into the shadows immediately. Right. Which actually brings us to the next orientation, which is fluid. I have something great about yeah. this. There's a particular YouTuber that I like who is gender fluid and uh, they will present different ways, different videos, like very masculine in one video, very feminine in another. 
And it's like, oh, you're feeling your offended today. Good for you. <laughs> you know what bothers me about gender fluidity? And it's not about the gender fluidity. It's about how people perceive gender fluidity. Well, it's so confusing. Are they a man or a woman? Are they a boy or a girl? You know what? Does it fucking matter? Like, it's Beth from HR. Like, <laughs> does it matter? No. Like, get over it. There are people that don't fit into your little gender box. Maybe they fit a little bit into both and flip back and forth. Let them live. That's gender fluidity. Yeah, yeah. but I mean, sexual fluidity is who they're sleeping with and when they're sleeping with them and you know who they're finding attractive and what they're finding attractive. Because one of the things like, okay, so I'm heteroflexible. And one thing I didn't mention before isn't just that I find men attractive and I find women attractive, but that includes transgender men and, and women. Like there's no gender bars there. <laughs> All are welcome. You, yeah, that, that kind of, almost plays into a demi-side of your nature to where you want to be with a person unnecessarily. Right, exactly, exactly. It comes down to the person, which I think is where the the flexible comes in, which is why I tend to be more attracted to men. But that's also a lot of my submissive side too, because I have a need to be dominated. Oh, and Pandora's box is right. open. <laughs> and women tend to not have that capability. They tend to not have that that more dominant nature. That Every dominatrix in the area is going to be calling you tomorrow. <laughs> Please do. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> so the next one I want to talk about was the gray sexuals. And this is another term that I had not heard until recently. Again, maybe I was sheltered or maybe this was just stuff I didn't know. Gray sexual people are all about the gray areas of sexual spectrum and tend to experience limited sexual attraction. This means that they are rarely experiencing sexual attraction, and when they do, it's usually not very intense. So crushes, maybe, I guess, would be the best definition no, of that I, in a grade school sense. No, because I think crushes, that's more like the, the romantic side of it. I think gray sexual is pretty close to asexual. It's like kind of just yeah, on asexuality. It's like when you meet somebody and you, you kind of have that feeling, but you know, it's not too overwhelming and you're kind of like, yeah, I could, but I don't want to put a lot of effort into it. <laughs> oh, effort's too much. Is that just me? <laughs> I don't know. It could be all of us at some point. It's been a long week. I'm tired. <laughs> it's like, look, I'm on this side of the bar. They're on that side of the bar. It's, uh, like, unless they walk over this way, I'm just not like, it's just too hard. Yeah, that's just, that's when I finish my drink. Yeah, I just want to finish my drink. My feet hurt. I've been dancing all night. I'm tired. It's like 1 a.m. This is the one, like I said, I have known an asexual person. I don't think I've known a great sexual person. Again, I don't know. There's plenty and plenty of people in my life that we never discuss sexuality. So I, I don't know. Well, but you know, then you have to consider that too, is are you not discussing sexuality because it's taboo? Or are you not discussing sexuality because they are uncomfortable? Or are you not discussing sexuality because they just don't like sex? Well, I'm an adult, so most of my conversations take place at work anymore. So, so you're not discussing sexuality because you don't want to wind up in HR. Exactly. <laughs> So what is the next one you want to talk about? Well, it's actually two. And I didn't realize that there was terminology for this, but, you know, why not? So androsexual and gynosexual. Um, gynosexual obviously stuck out a little bit more clearly than androsexual. So gynosexuality is someone who's romantically and sexually attracted to females. If that's anybody. So that's lesbians, that's heterosexual males, that, that's literally any anyone who is attracted to a female or someone with like feminine aspects. They're attracted to femininity, 
Whereas androsexual or androsexuality describes a person who's romantically attracted to men or masculinity. So that would be a gay man or that would be a heterosexual female. I thought that that was interesting. I, I, it never occurred to me that there was terminology for being attracted to masculinity or femininity. I could see that being a, such a big blanket term. And uh, I'm cool with it. Here's a fun thing to do. So the next time you have some hater out there, you know, oh, all these all these homos, blah, 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 blah. Just be like, yeah, you're a real fucking gynosexual, aren't you? And just let them get all hot and bothered. Well, that's like whenever I go to a... Say I'm going to go to lunch, say I'm going to go masticate, and I get lots of weird oh, looks. Yeah. It, it means to chew, you perverts. <laughs> <laughs> so can I tell you about this next one and why I love it so much? So pansexuals... Oh, uh, yeah, pansexuality. Are, ...are a favorite of mine, and I'll tell you why. It's so juvenile, why I love them so much. It's my favorite pride flag. It's a beautiful pride flag. Have you ever seen it before? You know what? I've seen so many pride flags, but I've never actually looked up what any of them are. Yellow, blue, and pink lines of equal spacing. Oh, that is pretty. I know, isn't it though? But pansexuals are people that, again, will date anyone, be it men, women, trans mask, trans femme, doesn't matter to them. So more power to them. Oh, hey, look at that. Associated terms, polysexual, queer, heteroflexibility. Oh, I guess that would make you more on one of those, wouldn't it? Aww. You have a flag now. I have a flag. <laughs> I love the idea of pansexuality. And I don't know where I heard this. Maybe it was even in a cartoon. I don't remember. I like a comic strip. They were talking about sexuality and someone said something about pansexuality and they were like, is that where they're attracted to pans? <laughs> <laughs> That's a big thing on TikTok. Have you ever seen it before where there are people with how much I love pans? Yeah. it's. Oh, maybe that's where I saw. I don't know. Yeah. I just thought it was funny. I mean, it's not funny. It is funny, but... But to all my, all my pan friends out there, I love you so much. Keep doing what you do. Love who you love. That goes for everyone, too. Not just my pan you know, friends, but all of you. And I just think that that's, it's beautiful. You know, just, just fucking love people, man. Just love who you love. Like, I don't understand, like, why it has to be complicated. As long as they're of age. Well, of course, yeah. And consenting. Ah, consent is sexy and important. Absolutely. All right, your turn. Next one. Okay, um, so sapiosexual, kind of along the same lines as demisexual. Sapiosexual is someone whose attraction is based on intelligence rather than sex or gender. I so. think this would be the most sexuality that I would identify with other than, you know, hetero. I say I don't have to like you to sleep with you. I think you have to always be smart. If you're stupid, I'm not going to. No, I'm not going to give you the time of day. Well, no, but here's the thing. So, so sapiosexual is someone whose attraction is based on intelligence rather than sex or gender. So it's like with anyone. The men that I've been attracted to have been brilliant. It hasn't been some pretty boy. It's oh, well, there you go. Darkly brilliant people. So to me, there's nothing more attractive than sitting down and having a deep philosophical conversation and then banging it out, you know? <laughs> <laughs> sure, why not? Usually for me, the deep philosophical conversation comes after. <laughs> Either way, as long as we're getting that part done, that's the important part to me. <laughs> <laughs> and it really is. It really is. You know, like I want to lay back and have a conversation and lay back and talk about politics, religion, all the stuff we're not supposed to talk about intellectual fashion. If you can't tell me how you feel about something, I don't really want to talk to you. No, I mean, that's understandable. Much less sleep with you. That's understandable. I get it. Sometimes, though, you just have to look real good. <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> so what you're saying is no uggos for you? No, that's not true. I'm equal opportunity. I mean, as long as you're bringing something to the table, like you got to have a quality. Sell it. You got to sell it, but make it work. 
So this was the newest term that I've heard, and I don't know how to pronounce it. So you want to do this one here? I'm not going to lie. I got a little offended. <laughs> when, I read, when I read that one, I was like, So scoliosexual is apparently a newer term on the sexuality scene, and it refers to a person who's attracted to anyone who is not cisgender. That means a scoliosexual will usually find themselves drawn to people who are trans or non-binary. So basically, if you identify with the gender that you were born as, they don't find you attractive. So why would you find that offensive? I don't know. I just, I feel like it's... You know what? You just don't date them. How about that? Yeah, no, I wouldn't because... They wouldn't want to date me, which is maybe why I'm judgy. I don't know. Because <laughs> you, you want everyone to love you. You want everyone to love you. Probably. I'm needy. I don't know. It just, it seems like it's kind of... Do you think it's invalid as a sexuality? I mean, would you tell them that it wasn't? No, I don't know that I would say that it's invalid. It's just, it seems so, I don't know. It's the, probably the most rigidly narrow of the sexualities. Maybe that's it. And I guess my thing is, it's like, because if you have a, a trans woman who maybe she's had the top surgery, she's had the bottom surgery. So looking at her from the outside, for all and purposes, she's... Anything but a female? Exactly. Okay, that's fair. So the only way a scoliosexual would know to be attracted to her would be to ask. Which is kind of holy enough. So your thing is that asking people what gender identity is isn't appropriate. Well, yeah, but it would just be to know that she's transgender. So it, it just seems to me like... On that, I do see your point. You shouldn't be going around asking people if they were born the gender they're showing. It's not so much about asking the gender that they're showing. It's like being cisgender or being non-binary or being trans, while obviously it's a very important aspect of their lives, is their life, it's who they are, but it's not what makes them who they are. They are their own person for their own reasons. So you're going to miss out on an opportunity to be with someone who might be amazing because you look at them and you see somebody and you might just assume that they're cisgender because they just look like a woman. I don't know. It just, it seems kind of, uh, uh, that's my only issue with it. It just seems kind of, you got to really get into somebody's pants Mm -hmm. in some of these situations or really get into like that. I got to look at your membership card before I'm going to give you an opportunity to get... I I, I see your point to to an extent I do. Let me ask you this. And I don't know the answer, but I want the listener to hear it. You'd have no problem dating uh, a trans man, would you? Oh, fuck no. No, I would have no problem dating a trans woman. and just, I wouldn't care. No, that's, that's what I was saying earlier. Like, I'm heteroflexible. Like, I will date a man, a woman, a trans man, a trans woman. Like, it doesn't right. matter. Well, that's good. So uh, let's go ahead and do one more. And then we'll uh, wrap up and let all of our friends know what we're going to do next. Yeah, absolutely. The only one left on our list that's probably spectrosexual. Yeah, that's uh, kind of ties into the, the the pan. I guess it is pretty much like pan, isn't it? It's pretty close. It's a horse of different color, I suppose. It's like, I will date anyone. Yeah. Let's talk about that though for a minute. Is Do you think that these terms, when there's multiple ones for what seem like the same thing, is that a bad thing or a good thing that it causes confusion? I think part of the problem is, again, because we're not in it. I don't identify as pansexual. I don't identify as spectrosexual. So... If I identified as spectrosexual, I'm sure that I would be able to say, well, spectrosexual is different than pansexual because, and give you a list of 10 or 20 or 30 reasons why they're different. But I pulled up three, five websites that were legitimate, that were backed by doctors and the gay community and the human rights campaign and seemed legitimate anyway. 
to get this information. So my couple hours of research does not equate to somebody's life. Exactly. For all you anti-vaxxers out there. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. So anything that I don't understand about these things, like my opinion on scoliosexual, like I could be completely off base. And you know what? Explain it to me. Make me understand how you feel. I'm willing to listen. I'm willing to be wrong. Absolutely. Fucking right. Absolutely. I'm 100% willing to be wrong. Now it's on you guys. Tell us what you think. What sexuality have you learned about in your life? Have you found yourself to be and identify as? And what ones did you learn about during this episode? Tell us about yourselves. We want to hear. We want to hear about you. We want to hear about our listeners. You can do all that by getting a hold of us on Twitter and Instagram at In The Sack Pod. You can hold of us on Facebook to search in the sack with Seth and Sarah. You can get a hold of us via email, Seth and Sarah Podcast at gmail.com. And since we're letting it out there now, last episode, Sarah and I are on FetLife. You can find me at Sethmas. You can find Sarah at Living Unscripted. And also when you're on our socials, join us and inform us as to what you want to hear about. Well, catfishing, online dating, and all the world of modern Built love. Through. Yes, on our next episode. Uh, Yeah, our next episode is going to be all about online dating, especially with this pandemic. I know that a lot of people have been hooking up online, meeting people, and the catfish mask or mask catfishing or something like that is apparently a thing now where people look really good in a mask and then they take the mask off and it's like meth mouth. Yeah. You know, we want to hear about that. We want to hear your stories. Um, You know, Snapchat filters, Facebook messaging filters are a thing. Is it legitimate? Is it not? Is it a lie? When someone uses a filter and angles you know, to make them look one way and then you meet up with them and they look completely different, you know. We want to hear your stories. We we want to have an episode almost entirely comprised of listener stories. So Good, the bad, and all that of online dating. Let's hear it. Come on, guys. Yeah. Let us hear it. But real fast, I want to do a shout out. We want to do a shout out real fast to all of our listeners. Oh my gosh, there are so many of you. Um, We recently switched to a new host for our podcast. And we've um, learned some things. We have learned some things. We have, wow, we have listeners in other countries. My gosh, guys, Ireland. Hello, Saskatchewan, Canada. Yeah, hello to Sweden. Woo, Sweden. Yeah, so Ireland, Canada, Sweden, we are now transcontinental. We're coast to coast, guys. We're in Denver. We are Illinois, Missouri. Tennessee, Texas. Gosh, guys, you guys are crazy. California, New Jersey, Aspen. Shit, guys. (laughs) I mean, this is crazy. You guys are... It warms my heart and it gets me hard. I'll tell you that much. Yeah, no, absolutely. I can't tell you how many times a day I'm on our host's site refreshing this freaking app and messaging Seth like a crazy person going, oh my gosh, did you see? Did you see? We have another listener. There's another listener in Tennessee. So thank you guys so much for going on this ride with us. Until next time, when we see you guys in the sack. With Seth and Sarah. In the Sack with Seth and Sarah has been an SNS production with cover art by Sarah Davis. Featuring music by Bradley Arl. It can be downloaded wherever you find your podcast.